The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. Rossiano. I am not wearing any secretions intentionally. And Michael Lucas. I was 30 before I realised there was a difference between dress and skirt. This is M. Salation. So if you're about to patch someone and you've got an itch in your vagine because you've got a massive yeast infection. Sounds uncomfortable. It's going to take the romance out of the moment. Mm. You're in M. Salation. Well, hello there and welcome to M. Salation. My name is M. Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a podcaster, a neurodivergent, a magic brain, and together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter, Logie Award and Actor Award winner, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast each week. And today's a special edition. There will be no Michael, there will be no Marcella. What you will have is the wonderful wonderful human that is Chloe Hayden, award-winning actress, disability advocate. She's a a best-selling author. She's most probably known to you all now for starring as Quinny on Heartbreak High. I like you. You're smart and you're funny and you're really pretty. Like, you're really, really beautiful. Um, And you also really like the sound of your own voice too much. And I don't really like how your Twitter bias says empath, but... um, Cool. No, okay, noted. I was lucky enough to get in the same room as her and then we essentially discovered we were almost the same person. I've never met anyone who has the same bizarre thoughts about all different things in the world. (laughs) Now, the reason you're not getting a normal emsolation is because I'm in Sydney all week and I'm recording some things and I was going to try and do an episode, but then I thought, you know what, you have this great chat with Chloe and also obviously we had the chat with Will Anderson that went out at Free Time Tuesday. So you're getting two and very different individuals, but two people I thoroughly enjoy, although not so different if you think about it. And um, I just thought I'll give myself some time and space to do my other things and not push myself to the brink of exhaustion and put in some boundaries, so please be proud of me. But you're really going to love this chat that you're about to hear Chloe is only 25, which is mind-blowing. And when I watched her in Heartbreak High as Quinny, I really, for the first time, saw myself represented, my brain. And it's ironic because the original series of Heartbreak High was the first time I saw my ethnicity reflected and the the singular experience of being a first-generation ethnic person because you do have that mixture of cultures of Aussie and, you know, whatever European country you're from. And I had never really seen that. Like, it was parodied, I guess, in Acropolis now. Obviously, I loved Effie so much. I went around talking like Effie for a very long time. I love Effie. Like, I could read Chloe's bio to you as Effie. Chloe Hayden is an award-winning actor and disability advocate, motivational speaker and social media influencer whose story of different, not less, has attracted a worldwide following. She stars as Queenie in Heartbreak High, the Netflix remake of the iconic Australian series. See? (laughs) See? 
I loved Effie. But it was kind of like it was humour. And then when Heartbreak High came out, it was gritty. You know, people had yayas and nonas because everything else had been so shiny up until that point. You know, Saved by the Bell, all American and shiny and white teeth and white, white, white. And Heartbreak High came and Hartley High. And I was like, oh, my God, rack off, Drasic. I wore my rack off T-shirt special for Chloe. So this is a great chat to sit down with your neurotypical, neurotypical and neurodivergent kids. Everyone needs to hear this. It's fast-paced. We jump about. Our brains are hummingbirds, as you know. But it's just a really, I don't know, I think it'll be helpful for any of you also who are maybe struggling with your neurodivergent teenager. She gives some great insight into that. You must check out her book, Different, Not Less, A Neurodivergence Guide to Embracing Your True Self and Finding Your Happily Ever After. And um, if you haven't yet, my God, the new Heartbreak High on Netflix is so good. Please make sure you have a listen. But right now, as always, I don't ever really officially say hello. I just press record as we sit down because I often find that's where the magic happens. Please enjoy my chat with the delightful, the effervescent, the gorgeous, the generous Chloe Hayden. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. I'm recording now. So typicals come on your podcast and be like, whoa. I don't know many typicals, I've realised. <laughs> I think most people in the end, do you know how many people I diagnosed on heartbreak? Oh. I, like the day I went in, I was like, Scott Major, ADHD. Yeah. The pathologising that I have done, and I know I'm supposed to, but yeah. Um, who do I have that come in the typicals? No, because the typicals <laughs> have just gotten used to me. I think. Yeah, right. I think they put it down to an M thing rather than a neurodivergence thing. Interesting. Yeah. I think my personality type... Because you're so colourful, so they should be like, oh, like, you're a vibrant person. Yeah. yeah. It's on brand for me. Yeah, that's... Yeah, fair enough. All right. You good? Yeah, I'm going to hit record on your camera. Please do. Please do. All right. Chloe's on. Make sure she's on mic. Yep, good. All right. You good? Yes. Okay. Chloe Hayden, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because, <laughs> like, I just want to first say masks off, dude. Period. 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 Do your thing. Be, like, whatever you need to do. <laughs> As I said to you, this is a safe space for the neurodivergence to occur. So however the fuck that takes place, whatever you want. Look around the room. Don't look at whatever you want. I'll shut my eyes every now and then when I'm trying to remember shit. <laughs> Congratulations on the book. Let's get the plug out of the way because otherwise I'll forget and then I'll stay up for four nights in a row feeling bad. <laughs> Uh, different, not less, and you're a divergence guide to embracing your true self and finding your happily ever after. Congratulations on writing a fucking book. Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. No, it wasn't easy, but yeah, it's out now, so <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> it's like the hard work's done. <laughs> what's been the best thing? Like, what surprised you about this coming out? About the book, actually, like yeah, being like out? this experience of being now a oh. published author. The weirdest thing is seeing my book, like, actually there. Well, it's like, sold out, isn't it? it yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a problem. Which is, yeah, it's nuts. Like, it's so weird. Um, But, like, the first time I actually ever saw my book out was at, like, 11 o'clock at night at, like, this sketchy little oh, news agent oh, at an airport. And it was the pissed. most 
like dream, like mm. surreal thing. I ha- wasn't expecting to see it there. Aww. Literally just wandering, and I saw my book front and center, and I literally like I was I had like my backpack on, and I literally just dropped it, and I was like wearing pajamas and like yellow Crocs, and I was like, what? What is going on right now? I was a like, surge this of dopamine. The, the dopamine. <laughs> I have like the dopamine hit that I received. It was so weird. And like sometimes I'll be like on, I've been on a plane once and I saw someone reading it and I've been on trains and I've seen people oh. reading it and I'm like. Don't you want to go over to them? I just, know. I want to yeah. just be like, what do you think? Do you like it? Yeah. Please praise me. Yeah. I, in my book, I literally wrote on like page 200, this is a spot where you have to go find me on Instagram <laughs> and tell me how much you like the book. Yeah. Because I'm an instant gratification girl. Yes. Putting a book out, it's like I have to fucking wait. And I'm like, yes. no. I oh, need- my God. The process, the hold-up oh. process between yeah. like I finished it, yeah. but I can't tell anyone and nothing's out yet. And I was just like sitting there waiting. Yeah. But yeah. And we need the praise. We need the praise. Words of affirmation for us neurodivergent chicks. Go. So the book is, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, mate, it's killing it. So Thank I kn- you. I know the relief. I'm so, and I also know how hard it is to write a book. And you were shooting Heartbreak High. At the same time. This is nuts. Crazy. How did you not, like, how did you, were you just running on adrenaline the entire time? I cried a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. Good. Her tears are in this book, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Buy this, this fucking is blood, thing. sweat and tears. She cried on the pages. Like meltdown book. every three pages. Oh, um, it was fine, though. It was okay. You know what? Like, I, like heartbreak was nuts. We would do, like, 14, 15, 16-hour days. And then I was like, really? I have deadlines to do <gasps> afterwards. So I would either, like, get home, like, open my laptop and start smashing out pages. Or, like, on our breaks, I would, like, open up my computer and do it on set, too. Like, it was nuts. I just... And also to write really well... You have to go back and relive the trauma. That's what yes. got me. Like, I said to my publishers, are you going to pay for a fucking therapist? Therapist? <laughs> yes, exactly. But you know the good thing? I had to do some pretty hectic scenes in Heartbreak that oh. had a lot of trauma. So I was like, girl, I just wrote about this yesterday. <laughs> like, let's go. Like, it's good because it's like two traumas for the price of one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so unhealthy, but I get it. Because I often workshop my trauma on stage in a leotard with a band, yeah. which is not healthy. And I now realise, like, not healthy. But I that's how I used to process it. I was like, oh, fuck, I'll just, I need to say this out loud. Yeah. Get it out of my body. Maybe I haven't processed <laughs> it yet, but, you know, write some songs. I had 12 dancing vulvas one year when I was, like, so angry <laughs> about everything and I and I just needed these, these vulvas around me for strength. And then there was another show where I had a giant penis that blew up. <laughs> Like, I don't know. And now I look back and realise, oh, these are all novelty things that my brain is searching for. But I understand processing trauma through performance. Mm-hmm. But it, that can be particularly hard for people like us, though. Definitely. Like, how long does it take you? It takes me ages to get over stuff like that. Oh, my God. But, like, here's the thing. Even with really tiny things, like, like disappointment yes. is my worst oh, emotion. Sorry. It hurts so the rejection bad. sensitivity rejection dysphoria, sensitivity. which I learned is a thing. Yes, I didn't know it was a thing. I just thought I was just, like, a dramatic bitch until I discovered that this is, like, an actual thing. But, like, people will, like, they'll say something, to me and I can't, like, they'll say something very normal, but, like, I'll be, like, the way you looked the at tone. me just then. The eye The change. tone. I, like, I saw you, like, look to your left when usually you look to your, that, that means you hate me and you want me out of your life and you want to, you want me dead. Speaking like, my language. I am convinced everyone hates me as, like. Oh, like, that's default setting. They'll take three seconds yeah. to reply to me and I go, why didn't you take one second? Yeah. You hate me. But I never message anyone But back. then I will take, like, <laughs> four months to reply to someone and I'll be, it. like. Girl, this is fine. Please don't. Yeah, I'm really like <laughs> it's hard for me. All right, but you have to respond to me. But it's really hard for me to respond to you. I'm the same, and that's the ADHD, ASD, like constant struggle and battle. Yes, it's like I really want to be spontaneous and willow the wisp and everything. But if we've got plans, 
and I've scheduled my whole day around getting there on time or probably 15 minutes late, let's be honest. Yes. And you fucking change them on me? No. Absolutely. Not okay. Dude, the ADHD and autism demon, oh, they, they hate, each hate each other. Yeah, it's a swirl. <laughs> I feel myself in that battle all the time. Like, I want my, I need order around me, but I'm fucking messy. Yes. So it's this, I just I just need it to be clean and tidy and beautiful, but it's either that or like a hovel. And I haven't found the middle ground in any aspect of my life. <laughs> Emotions, like cleaning, dressing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like period. I'm either in pyjamas, on tracksuit pants, or I'm in sequins. Yes. Oh, my God. It's like zero to 100. <laughs> I have no in between. <laughs> oh, you're the first person I've met who has similar, um, I guess, mannerisms and symptoms to me. To be honest, sick. I you're love. The, like literally the first person that I and, I'll, and we'll, I will speak to that. Seeing Quinny made me really emotional, and I and I just thought, fuck, if she had been around when I was a kid, I would have felt because, like you, and you've said this a lot. I knew from a very early age. I often felt like I've been sent like from another planet to observe humans. And from, like, three, I remember, like, I remember thinking about, like, my mum would step on a snail and then I'd be like, but what about its family? Like, it's going to be waiting for its snail to come home and where does it live and do I need to go and find its house to let it know? And my mum would be like, no, it's fine. Like, it's eating the plants, but it's not fine. And then I'd watch the ants and I'd imagine what their houses were like and if they go inside and, like, they have tiny little chairs and what did they eat? Where do they put the crumbs and how did they carry it? And I would sit there and I'd say all this out loud and everyone would look at me like, why are we the same person? <laughs> why are we literally the same person? I have never heard anyone like that's so weird. Really? Like, why are we the actual same person? What do person? you mean? Explain. Like the literally the exact same thing. That was like a memory that was like back here. Oh. It was in like this much in the back of my head. I have like you just brought everything up. I'm like, no one has ever spoken about that before. I pushed that back because I thought no one else did that. Oh, I do it. Every single thing that you've said oh. since like when I first walked into this door, I'm like, why are we the same person? Look, this is so weird. It's good to know that we're not alone. <laughs> I walk past people's houses and I smell their houses and I immediately imagine their life. Oh my god, me too. People watching and like people just like oh. they're getting into their little lives, like airport sitting at the airport, just watching everyone going like you're an actual person with actual feelings and an actual life and an actual history and an actual future. That's crazy. I do the same thing. <laughs> when you go home, like what colour are your sheets? And have you washed them when you're hopping them? What do they smell like? What kind of washing powder are you using? What did you I want think- to be when you grew up? Oh yes, when you were a kid, did you imagine you would dye your hair that colour? Like was that like was that something you were living towards? I do that all the time. Oh my gosh. See, it's good to know. It's so, this is so nice. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I spiral into, I don't know, I, and I always have, and my brain just keeps going, it spiders, it jumps, it jumps, it jumps, it jumps. And then when I started realising that wasn't really okay, then it, I turned it all inward and I made myself much smaller. But then every now and then I'd, like, explode. Yeah. Did you do that? Yeah. It was just, like, especially if I got excited about something. Yes, 100%. And catch like, yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Big thing. Yeah. So you were diagnosed at 13? Yes. Both? ADHD I and autism? I was diagnosed as autistic at 13 and then ADHD at 23. Oh, babes. Yeah. It's pretty recent. Yeah, recent. God. And are you hyper and the other one? I, I'm both. I'm a combo. I don't remember. You know, I wasn't even going for an ADHD diagnosis because, like, kind of similar to, I guess, a lot of people's stereotypes of autism, I kind of had quite a similar one to ADHD. I was like, but I'm not, like, a four-year-old, like, little kid, like, running off the walls on red cordial. And mm. I'm like, that's not me. Mm. Um, I wasn't even going for a diagnosis. My psychologist literally was just like, you have ADHD? And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm autistic. And they're like, no, I'm diagnosing you now. <laughs> you have ADHD. And I was like, that's literally not possible. And then he gave me these resources and I was like oh my god yeah okay isn't it wild when you start 
reading about it. Yeah, and realising, like, oh, my God, my entire life, every single thing I've been through, every single thing I think, every single part of my life, every struggle I've had that I'm like, why am I like this? Mm. It explains it, like, right here. And I'm like, oh, like, it was the biggest light bulb moment. Yeah. So as a teen, when you were... I get a lot of parents, a lot of parents, and I'm new to this, and and often people are like, how did no one tell you that you were neurodivergent until Mm -hmm. you were 42? But again, I think people just put that down to M being weird, Mm -hmm. quirky. I really hate the word quirky because it was always thrown at me as an insult. Yes. Oh, my God, you're, like, so quirky. Quirky. Yeah, all the popular girls at school. They want to say weird. You're so quirky. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you really want to say weird or fucked? Yes. That's oh, my like, God. Yeah. Yes. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So I start, I bristle when someone says, oh, she's so quirky. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> please don't call me that. I get a lot of, a lot, a lot, parents now, especially through, I guess, being in my community, are noticing their kids are perhaps like me and getting them diagnosed. And they ask me, how can I best support my teenager? How should we parent you? I understand that our brains are magic. Good. And we have such an idea in our society that we have to be a certain way Mm. and that our kids have to be a certain Mm. way and that humans in general have to be a certain way, that's not the way that the world is. That's bullshit. Mm. The world doesn't work unless there's different. And autistic kids and ADHD kids and neurodivergent kids are going to be those people that are pioneering what different means and what the incredible thing about being different is. And, yes, there's going to be struggles and there might be different struggles than you would find in perhaps a neurotypical kid. The biggest thing that I can say is look for the strengths and look mm, for the superpowers, look for the eye sparkles, look at what they can do. Because if we're only focusing on this person is weird and this person struggles with this and this person needs to rearrange their cups when, you know, they take one out of their room, then we're never going to we're never going to see the beauty of it because mm. it is beautiful. Mm. I love being neurodivergent. I would never change that about myself. And it's really important that parents see that too. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember if the world was set up for people like us, it wouldn't be ever considered a negative if Absolutely. you got the diagnosis. You know what I mean? The only reason it's negative is because society has, like, this one-size-fits-all system, yeah. which it doesn't. It, it was set up by, you know, 40-year-old straight white blokes. Exactly. That's the I'm convinced. Yeah, that's the that, neutral. Yeah, exactly. I'm convinced that if we, if that if neurodivergence were the majority, mm. they would be considered so much weirder than we are. Absolutely. I'm convinced. Like, I look at the typicals and I'm like, why, why do you do that? You don't even like it. They do a lot of stuff. They, they don't do so much stuff. Because they're the but rules. But it's like, like when I'm like, I do it this way and they go, why? And I'm like, well, because ABC, like, yeah. you know, this is how it works. And they go, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But like, I'll be like, why do you think it's polite to make eye contact? And why do you like have to do this? And why, why does this yes. work? And I'm, they're like, well, I don't know. You just do it. And I'm like, but why? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm convinced if they were the minority, people would like so true. put them in an asylum or something. Because I'm like, oh well, that God. doesn't make any sense. And often it's their answer just because of that's just how we do it. Why? But why? Explain it's not to me. Working for you. Literally. You fucking hate it. Literally. Oh. oh my God. And schools are set up for kids like us to fail flat out. Turn Absolutely. up at eight thirty in the morning. Yeah. I haven't slept till two a.m. because my brain can't switch off till that time. hundred percent. Sit still for how long mm-hmm. in a hot room? Yeah. Studying shit we have no interest in and we'll mm-hmm. never use again. And our fucking school was the worst for me. And then when my kids now I know better, I'm just in there like, oh, no, they're not doing Naplan. No, she's not doing standardised tests. I don't give a shit. Yeah. No, if you wanted to write a story for English, it'll be a graphic novel. Yes. And they don't fight me like, because I don't care about her grades. I don't care about where she sits compared to other kids that aren't like her. I just want her to be curious and love learning. Yeah. And when you give the school permission 
they, um, they're like, oh, cool, they take the foot off their pressure. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of pressure comes from parents on schools. My kid 100%. has to perform, my kid has to get A's, blah, blah, blah. Why is my kid not enjoying school? Mm-hmm. It's because of us as parents often. And I think if you can, oh, fuck, if someone had advocated for me and gone in and gone, I oh, just let her draw and run. Yeah. She'll be fine. Let her do a dance every now and then. Yeah. Because maths may as well have been in another fucking language. Me too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. science, yeah. chemistry. Mm-hmm. Made me want to cry. Yeah. I've literally forged my mother's signature to get out of U12 Oh, my God. Maths. I did the same Stop thing. Stop I didn't do U12 maths. Me like- neither. I <laughs> pretended to. <laughs> no, my teacher, I got homeschooled from year eight onwards and, like, when I was in year eight, my teacher was like, don't, don't even try. Like, we don't want to grade that. <laughs> and I was like, period. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like, I think, I think I peaked in grade four math. Oh. And, like, now, like, my sister is in grade four and, like, she'll give me her homework and I'm like, don't. Oh, same. Because uh-uh. <laughs> my eldest child, was, she got, like, a 97, which I don't even know how that happened, and she would be sitting there doing maths and I'd be like, fucking hell, no, no. <laughs> what is that? You, good luck. I, I wish you luck, <laughs> madam. I wish you all the luck. <laughs> good for you. I'm so proud of you, but no, mummy. But if they have, like, book week, oh, mate, my kids turn up in full drag. Yes. Like, uh-huh. they're my strengths. I love that you said that, find their strengths. That's so important. They've got to have wins. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're not going to have wins. It's like, it's not, like, math was never something that I was going to be good no. at. I would just sit there, like, making myself vomit from how much I was crying because of it. Like, yeah. I'm never going to be strong at that. No. Nah. So instead, give me something that I can be strong at. And, like, I love my horses and stuff like that. So my dad, when I was homeschooled, instead of doing, like, you know, worksheets, he'd be like, okay, let's go out to the paddock and you have to time your horse's strides for jumping. Oh. And I'm like, this is important to me. I have to do this because I have to be able to make sure me and my horse can do well together. Mm. And I was able to do math with that and, like, weighing out the feed for them and stuff oh. like that and, like, um, the parameters for my axolotl tank. Like, that's all math, but mm. I don't even think of it as math because I'm like, I'm doing something that's really important to me. Like... You don't have to be sitting there doing textbooks and stuff. Find, like, if you have to do it, find ways that they can do it. Yes. Find ways to incorporate it into exactly. their life. I don't care about Pythagoras or his theorem, and I've never used it once. Exactly. Do not care. <laughs> I want to talk to you about Heartbreak High because we're all obsessed. Um, tell me about getting cast. Tell me about getting, I want to hear, I'm obsessed, I want to know. From the moment you found out it was happening, go. Okay, so um, I was actually at a rodeo in Bonnie Doon when... Of course you were! <laughs> we are going to Bonnie Doon. Good. Um, when I got the casting call for it and my agent sent it through and um, it was kind of just an open casting call and I was like, oh, like if I get time I'll do it. But then I, I looked at it and... The script said um, that Quinny was a neurodivergent character and, like, immediately, like, sparks went off because I've never, ever seen that before. Mm. Um, And usually if I was, you know, competing, I would go, oh, I'll just look at it when I get home or whatever. I literally was, like, reading the script from, like, the moment I got it, I would, like, be in my swag at night reading the script. I literally, there's a video of me, like, on my horse during the competition and you can see my lips moving because I'm, like, reciting the script (gasps) in my head. Because I'm like, I have to get this. And I did the audition, sent it through, and... um. Like, every single day for weeks, I would call my agent and I'd be like, have you heard anything? And he's like, no. And I'm like, have you heard anything? No. I'm like, email him and be like, are you sure that they have the right email address? And he's check like, your junk mail. Check like, your junk yeah, mail. yeah, I'm like, check your junk mail. <laughs> and he's like, Chloe, I will tell you if they send me something. And I'm like, okay, have they said anything yet? <laughs> and um, Just did I get any feedback? I'm like, just tell like me it. anything. I'm like, like, I need something. I, top need, five? I need something. I need something. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like, just give me <laughs> any information. Yeah. And um, eventually I did get the information and it was, you have a callback and then it was, you have chemistry reads, which is when you um, read with other actors and stuff. And it just kept on going and kept on going. And they would call off and be like, hey, we're kind of thinking of this. Or like, how do you feel about doing these sorts of scenes and stuff like that? And then 
when I found out I was on the border of Victoria and New South Wales doing a talk up there and it was 9.30 at night and my PA was like, hey, you have 30 missed calls from your agent. And I was like, like my heart dropped. Like my heart (laughs) dropped into my butt. I was like, oh, my God. And um, so I was like, okay. And I took my friend outside and I called him and all he said is, are you sitting down? And I wept. I'm getting goosebumps. I was I oh like, I got goosebumps. Like scream crying, like scream oh. crying. I f- collapsed to the ground, oh. crying my eyes out. Yeah. Cause like, this wasn't just a role for me. I was yeah. like, oh my God, I get to play someone that's autistic. Mm. Like this mm. is such a breakthrough. And um, literally the first one ever in this yeah, country. And yeah, yeah. Like it was such a breakthrough for me. Like I have waited my entire life for this mm. and, um, cry my eyes at all of my makeup. I had like glitter on and crazy makeup on and everything and it was gone. And um, it's just the usual day for you. Just really. the usual day for me. And um, I had to go back in because I had to perform again. And oh, I was you had cr- to tell everyone, but you can't? No, I wasn't allowed Whoa. to. I couldn't tell anyone for almost a year. I exploded. I exploded. Lit- no, literally, I kept on crying on stage and like people were like, hey, girlie, what's wrong? Okay? What's wrong? And I was like, I'm just like really happy to be here, you know? But like I was sick because I was also like by myself. Like I couldn't even go and like oh, go to my no. parents and like scream to them and oh, stuff. No. I was like, oh my God, I just have to sit here and do my job still. And also focusing on that. And also focus. Too. I oh, couldn't God. focus. Nah, I, like, nah, I don't, nah, nah. like I blanked, I blanked yeah, out after that. I have course. no idea what happened after that. Yeah. But yeah, it was just the most incredible experience. It was oh, so good. And so you get, you got it. And then how long till you're on set? Um, I think I got it in... I want to say like maybe April or May mm-hmm. I got the job and then we started filming in November. Of last year? Of the year before? Of 20, 2021. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And it was full on shoot, quick? Yeah. So we moved up and we had like pre-production for like two weeks yep. and it was basically just like, hey, you're going to meet everyone. And I was terrified of that. because Of course. New I, people? No, new people. Not only new people, but I got homeschooled because I was like beaten up by people my age. I'm terrified of yep. other people my age. And I was like... Part of me was like, maybe I don't want to do this because I'm like, I have to be surrounded by like 15 of my peers and I'm like, I'm going to get bullied and they're going to hate me and they're going to think I'm weird and I'm going to be a loner and a loser and everyone's going to hate me. And I walked in and the first day I met everyone, it was literally like I found my people. You can tell. I was like, I could tell immediately. I was like, I felt so safe, so immediately. So for the first two weeks, it was getting to know everyone, doing rehearsals. Because um, the chemistry between the main cast, you know, like, my God, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Well, I think it is. And it's like, real. Yeah, it's, it's real. Like, we all, like, we're all best friends in real life, you know, like these people are my family. Mm. And, yeah, I think it really shows. Mm. So, yeah, we had pre-production for two weeks and then started filming, I think, the first week in November. And then it was just, you know, full ball from then until March, I think. And it drops on Netflix. Yes. And the reaction... <laughs> Like you're the Beyonce of the cast, let's be honest. <laughs> Everyone's talking about you. No disrespect, I love the entire cast. But for season one, and there's going to be a season two, I know they will in my waters, why wouldn't they? You've come out as, I don't know, for, uh, I cried. There was a, when, you, when you go and you, you're on your date and the, the ambient noise starts to just get to yes. you. That was a lot. I had to stop the episode. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. And I realised at that moment I have never... Seen that experience. Yeah. And I wonder if that, have you had that feedback from a lot of people like us saying? So many people. It was triggering, but in a good way? Yeah, well, a lot of, I've seen so many young people that have like dragged their parents over to watch it and go, I did. this. Yeah, this send it to all me. my family members, watch yes. this scene. Yeah, which is amazing because like there really hasn't been, like I've never been able to do that. I've never been able to go, mum, I can't explain it to you myself, watch this. Yeah. And I've had so many teenagers send me a message going, like, my mum gets me now. And I'm like, shit, man. Like, that's, yeah, like, mate. that's, 
the most important thing out of all of it. Like, it's a great series. It's funny. It's great. It's got good drama. But the fact that young people are going, my parents understand who I am now. I'm like, oh my god. Like that's the like that's the reason well, I do, do what it. I do. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because you remember what it is to be, and you viscerally understand being misunderstood. Yeah. And if you can help, and this is what got me after the press club speech. If I I've helped uh, three or four, but maybe thousands of people not feel super alone at 2am crying, yeah. not like not wanting to get out of bed and feeling like the world is against them and what the fuck is wrong with me, if I've been able to alleviate that pressure in some way, yeah. then all You've my stress and job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all been worth it. Yeah. You know, all this shit that you... Because they asked me so many times and I said no so many times and then I realised you're being really selfish. Like your shit isn't as important as making 10-year-old, someone who was like you at 10, feel mm-hmm. better. And that's what you've done with Quinny. Like, it's massive. Thank you. And if you do nothing else in your fucking <laughs> life, which you obviously will, that's a massive achievement. Thank you. Actors, not no, not many actors get to do that. Mm-hmm. And also it's a bit sad that it's 2022. Yeah, this it's is the first time we've seen this sort of representation. Wild. I know. Like, it's sick, but at the same time, I'm like, why am I the first? Why? No, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> Thank I you. I mean, I also worry for you because it's, it's a lot to carry. It's a lot, and I understand that. Like, you sort of become the face of it and people call you and they want comments on shit and they, you know, like, I found that any, because like, there's been a lot of ADHD in the press lately and I keep getting phone calls, I like, do you want to make a comment, do you want to make a comment? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I did a 45-minute comment on it and yeah. I don't want to be that person That because I also am aware that it's a spectrum and I don't represent everybody with mm-hmm. ADHD. Everyone's different. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot. And you're only 25, babes. <laughs> got to pace yourself. <laughs> Are you going to have some time off soon? Girl, I don't know. Babe. <laughs> I look. I worry for you. Just, no, just know I have done the burnout. Like I was. I oh, my God. I think I'm constantly living in burnout. Um, you taught me about autistic burnout. Did I? I didn't know that oh existed. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I didn't know. It's in the book I was reading it and I had to put the book down after that and I texted our EP Ben and I said, okay, I'm burnt out because I just was all the symptoms you described was happening. Oh, wow. Even the nonverbal, I was just mm-hmm. like, and I do a podcast for a living and I'm a comic, which yeah. is not great. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. When did you learn about autistic burnout? I think I I mean, I knew that I had it all the time. Like I was selectively mute until I was 16. Can you describe autistic burnout for those who don't know? Yeah, okay. So basically autistic burnout is basically just the end result of existing in a society that is very neurotypical pleasing and very anti-neurodivergent and giving yourself for too much for too long. Um, and what are the symptoms? The symptoms are the symptoms can be like going nonverbal. Yeah. Um, whether that's for a couple of hours. Yep. If I I've been burnt out quite a lot over the past few months just because and I'm I'm very very excited to be doing what I'm doing, but it'll, it it does come with a big toll. And there'll be a lot of the time where I go nonverbal for two or three hours at night, and then next day I'm like right as rain again. But nonverbal for days, even weeks at a time, can be a symptom. Extreme fatigue for months mm. on ends can be a symptom. Like in your blood fatigue. Yeah, like as in it's like it's not like oh I need a nap. It's no. like it it feels like you're like wading through molasses. The, yeah, yeah. Like it's almost coming radiating from the inside out. Yeah, it's not like tight so. eyes. It's like coming from it's, your yeah, soul. Yeah, yeah. It's not like oh, it's yeah. It's literally yeah. It's like wading through molasses. Yeah. I've also noticed that when I'm burnt out, my executive functioning disappears. Oh. And my coordination, my motor skills, bump gone. Into shit. I bump it like the like the bruises that Same. I get all over my body. Like when I'm in, like I'll be like, oh, I think I'm burnt out because my whole body is black and blue. Mm. I like I'll drop my toothbrush. I'll like stab myself in the eye when I'm doing my makeup. I I like, cannot do a winged eyeliner when I'm in that. Situation. I can't do a winged eyeliner. Ah. Period. Um, <laughs> I just notice all my, all my normal skills go fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like like basically, what burnout is and meltdown as well is regressing to your most 
primal state. It's oh, yeah. like your it's like, you know, when like your computer is buffering and it like has like yeah. the like the spinny thing on it, that's your body. It's mm-hmm. like I can't do anything right now. My entire job right now is to keep you alive. Yeah. And that means that anything that is an optional part of living is gone from you. Mm. And you haven't taken that away yourself. So your body forces it to get taken away from you. Amazing that you have put this in a book. <laughs> and that I and people like me can now like I just now walk into my house and say to my kids and my husband, I'm I've got one percent. Yeah. No questions. No spoons. Nothing. Like yeah. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You, you guys have to figure it all out. And that's I've never done that in my whole life because I'm a people pleaser. I don't let people down. Yes. I want people to think I'm the best of me. Such a yes person. Me too. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, the most powerful thing is can I think about that? Yes. Can I get and back being to allowed you? to say no, like Mate. giving yourself the right to say no. Just advocating for yourself. Yeah. This is too loud. Can you turn that off? I don't like that smell. Yeah. I would never have said those things. I would have just suffered silently for ages and ages. Mm-hmm. And now I just say it. I just go, yeah. no, I can't. That's cool. Me go and it's such a skill. Like I'm still learning it. I can only do it around a couple of people because I'm like, I already know that I'm safe with you and I know that you're going to love me regardless. But yeah, it's, right. a, it's a skill to learn. It'll come. I'm old. <laughs> I'm getting there. You I'm will. Getting... You'll get there way quicker than I have. I, I but I'm just like, oh, fuck it. They already. Put... I love that. I yeah. love that. You just got to advocate for yourself now. Yeah. Even with like, I won't do briefing calls before gigs now because I hate right. briefing calls. They stress me out. Mm-hmm. I, my hearing's really bad, and we have to do like on speaker with like four or five people, mm-hmm. and they want to explain to me how to like give a talk or something. I know how to give a talk. Right. But they just want yeah, to brief yeah, yeah. me on the event. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're not doing this anymore. And my management's like, what do you mean? And I said, oh, I can't hear them. I get anxious about them. I say weird shit. <laughs> I say really fucking weird shit because I'm like getting my head and mm-hmm. then it all goes pear shape and then I spend the night not sleeping because I've maybe fucked up the gig. Yeah. It's not worth it. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last whole night it. thinking about things. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, I said a thing and now they hate oh. me and I'm going to get fired. I oh. do that all the time. It's the sensitivity <laughs> stock take, I call it. <laughs> yeah, there doing right. the stock take of all the time. Oh, my God, I love that. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah, I stock take every night. Sensitivity stock take. It's exhausting. Yeah, oh, my God, <laughs> yes. So you don't leave the house. Or so you're, or you go only around people who like always know that you're coming from a good place. Yeah. You're like, I want to make t-shirts that say I'm not a cunt, I'm autistic. Oh my god, I would wear them. <laughs> and in kid sizes too. Love. I yeah, mean, yeah, I yeah. can't. But I often say now, I'm like, I say, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a cunt. I'm not an over-the-top, dramatic, tetchy, sensitive human. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. I want to know, like, what's, and I hate it when people ask me this question, but I'm going to put it on you. <laughs> like, what's next? You're 25, you're in a best, high-rating fucking Netflix show. You've got a best-selling <laughs> book on your hand. Thank you. <laughs> do you know, is, like, is there a Chloe Dream Diary where you wrote the big, the big thing in? You know what? Ever since I kind of, I mean, did anything, my, my goal has always just been I want to be happy and I want to make sure I, I've given young Chloe a second chance at living and I want to give other young people their second chance and yeah. whatever form that comes in, yeah, I don't mind, you know. Yeah. Like, I didn't expect any of this, you know. Yeah. Like, I couldn't speak until I was 16 and now I'm on a Netflix show and wrote a book and doing podcasts and sitting here with you and I'm like, damn, I didn't expect any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, last week I didn't expect any of this. Like, even if, like, 20-year-old Chloe knew what 25-year-old Chloe was doing, she wouldn't believe you, yeah. you know, or blow her brains out. Yeah. So... I don't know what is happening in an hour. I don't know what's happening next week. I don't know what's happening in five years. Um, if I can just continue being happy and continue making sure that other young people get their second chance, I'm happy. I've done what I meant to do. I love that. 
But, you know, the ADHD, the dopamine demon, you say yes to wild things. I say yes to everything because I'm like, oh, my God, like the opportunities might run out. Or like I, I get the worst FOMO. I have the worst Same. FOMO. But then I'm there and I'm like, I don't even want to do this. Yeah, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I get the worst FOMO. But learning how to say no is a, is a big thing as well. But, yeah, there's like so many amazing opportunities happening at the moment for me. And I'm like, I just want to be part of everything. I know, but you do have to like protect your peace. Yes, and I'm I'm really lucky that I have a very beautiful support network around me and they have said no for me. Like, they'll be like, no, I can see that this isn't good for you. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Sit down. That's good. Which is great because I can't do it myself. So if I have someone else doing it for me, and because also I'm like, I'm always so worried that I'm like, I don't want to offend you. Don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to say no. So, like, my partner or my agent or my mum will be like, she's not doing it. Wow. And I'm like, oh, it's just, like, pressure's gone. That's good. So good. You figured this out way earlier than I did. <laughs> support really networks oh are my gosh. so important. They're good, but I'm often the fucking support network. I don't want to be that. Like my entire family neurodivergent. We're all assholes. Yeah. It's really hard. <laughs> right. Like no one, people say to me, oh, when you got diagnosed, well, did your family change? I'm like, nah. <laughs> no, because all three of my kids are, my husband definitely is, but won't go get a diagnosis. Um, so I'm just going to keep saying it on a podcast until he does. Um, so they're all assholes. We are impossible to live with. All of us are sensitive. We all fucking yell at each other all the time. There's mess everywhere. Like, it's chaos. Uh-huh. And I just, I can't imagine what it would be like to have neurotypicals. Like, sometimes I have to say to my husband, do you have a body double? Do you get someone who's a typical to body double you on stuff? <laughs> Is your manager a neurotypical? As far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> I have this awful habit where I diagnose everyone in my life. Like, I'll say to everyone, I'm like, hey, you're autistic or, like, you're ADHD. I don't know if you know that, but you are. Congratulations. And I don't have this. I don't have the degree to tell them that. No. But I do it anyway. Oh, I had to try and stop doing that because, like, not everyone sees it as a positive like we do. I know. Do you remember that? I've had people do that. I've been yelled at because I was like, oh, my God, like, I think you're autistic. And they're like, you think I'm what? I know. And I'm like, good thing, good thing, positive. (laughs) And they're like, why is that positive? I've diagnosed my mum and my dad. I'm like, my mum is ADHD and I've diagnosed her for years. Like, since since before I had my diagnosis, I'm like, mum, you're ADHD. And now she's like actually getting her diagnosis mm. and my dad I'm convinced is autistic like yes. I'm convinced like my my autism came from my dad and my ADHD came from my mom um, same yeah right <laughs> but like my dad isn't going to get a diagnosis but like I've I've like kind of poked fun at him for years going like oh you're acting autistic again and like now he's like oh yeah like I'm autistic but like I don't need a diagnosis so yeah my dad is Italian and like wonderful but like both his grandsons have been diagnosed with autistic like me, like there's all around like, him. It's genetic. I'm it like came it. from someone. <laughs> and he's such a straight, he's such a, he's hilarious, but he's got every like quintessence <laughs> you can't imagine. And yeah, and but my parents, and I get it, they're in their 60s, he's 70. And it's just like, he's like, mm, why change it? That's the thing. It's like, if you don't need the support or if the label isn't going to help you, then it doesn't. It, and it wouldn't with him. Yeah. And he, and, but he's just exists in his own yeah, which time is and space great. continuum, honestly. He's got his big garage, he lives on a nice property and. He just rewires tellies and shit and plays music and that's... Live your life, man. That's what he does. That's what he does. Hey, um, thank you so much for coming. I'm just so glad you are out there making shit and I'm glad you exist. And if there's any way I can help you at all in the future, please don't hesitate Thank you. to ask me. Yeah, I'm just... Buy Chloe's book, <laughs> Different Not Less, although you'll struggle to get it because it's sold out everywhere. <laughs> Watch Heartbreak High. And are you going to be doing more actoring, do you think? Is this a, yes, acting is, acting is definitely my passion because I've had to act my whole life anyway, dude. Like, I'm mas- I've masked my entire life. I might as well get paid for it. <laughs> what are you unmasked before you go? I want to ask you, who are you... Do you know that? Like, who's pure Chloe? 
because I don't know who Pure M is as well. I don't think therapy. I know who Pure Chloe is either. Because like the thing is, like when I'm bubbly and like right now, I'm like I know I'm putting on a mask because I know I'm performing. But at the same time, like this is also the most authentic version of me. Same. But also when I'm like sitting on my bed, rocking back and forth, holding my cat. I'm like, that's also the most authentic version of me. I think authentic me is when I'm like, this feels right for me. But Good. I'm still learning that, you know? And you know what I've learned, because I do weekly therapy also, is that it's like, it's, it's, it's linear in that it's not one spot. It's like a spectrum. It's a sliding scale. And so they're all you, but it just, exactly. depends, just depends where you land. Exactly, 100%. And it's not like one quintessential version of you. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like, I think for a long time I thought... That there was yes, it's like oh, I'm only like this is the only version of she's me. And loud, if I'm not, she's colourful. Yeah, she's friendly. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, but no, sometimes I'm the complete opposite. Of exactly. I fucking hate everyone. <laughs> Everything pisses me off. Everything, and and I need to disappear. And I fantasise about like opening a banana stand in Queensland and like just nobody knowing anything about me. <laughs> then I was like, give me it all. Give me the stage. Yeah. I went, oh, oh my god, me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're both us. Yeah, 100%. We need to keep encouraging, especially neurodivergent people, that because you do when you get the diagnosis and you do realise, fuck, I've been masking and I'm a different character for every portion of my life too. Yeah, which is fine. Like you're living in a fairy tale. You're allowed to be different characters at different times. Yes, and that's that's part of who you are. Mm -hmm. Never change, my love. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Thank you for having me. Pleasure. This is Emsolation. Ah, well, wasn't that a treat? Isn't Chloe a treat? As I said, different, not less. Go and grab her book. It's, it is a how-to. It really is a great kind of guide to navigating life. Whether you're neurotypical or neurospicy, it doesn't matter. And um, make sure you check her out on Heartbreak High on Netflix. We'll be back for another free time a Tuesday. And then Michael and I back for regular scheduled programming the following Thursday. But we like to change it up, keep it fresh. All right, gang, speak soon. Bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas and sometimes her eldest daughter, Marcella. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley, produced by M. Rossiano, edited by Ezekiel Fenn, with videos by James Henderson, socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow, with assistance from Jem Evans, plus cameos from M's dad, Vincey. Get the full Emsolation experience by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you really want to help us out, you could become a patron of Emsolation. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a five-star rating and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by actually hitting the follow button. As always, thanks for listening and we're We're excited to chat with you again soon. Mm